Welcome to Office Hours, a social science podcast produced by the Society Pages at the University of Minnesota. Join us for conversations with prominent scholars, writers, and researchers as we discuss their ideas. Come in. Today we are joined by David Shaliol. David is currently in the sociology program at the University of Chicago. His work is on the processes that facilitate social organization and disorganization in urban context. David is the author of the photography book Isolated Building Studies. His photography was recently published in a feature called Debt and Darkness in Detroit on the societypages.org. David joins us today to talk about the relationship between sociology and photography and how he uses both to understand the built environment. Hello, David. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you. It's a, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. So which came first for you, uh, sociology or photography? Um, in, in a way, I, I think they both emerged as an outgrowth of, of my interest in the, in the social world, sort of a, a general interest. Um, I was interested, of course, in how it operates, what's, what's important, uh, and, and so on. And, and my sociological and photographic practices are really both concerned with those issues, but but I was really interested in solving social puzzles long before I heard of sociology, before I forgot, or before I thought that uh, photography was sort of a method to you know investigate the world. Um, still, sociology I think has, has played the, the dominant role in helping me think systematically about really all manner of subjects, including photography. Um, I'm, I'm certain that that causal order has something to do with the sequencing of higher-level education <laughs> in the United States, um, but, I'm, but I'm also really convinced by the, the usefulness of the sociological imagination, uh, both within sociology and outside of it. So what m- motivated you to merge those two passions, or do you feel like the, the sociological imagination, what you brought up, was that always driving the type of photographs you were taking? Well, uh, yes and no. I, I, for for many years, I, I really kept the two separate in the sense that I was sort of independently pursuing projects in each. Um, and, and part of that was is the way that each discipline, sort of photography and sociology, um, has its own set of institutions structured to to really integrate particular kinds of knowledge, um, and and of course to present that knowledge into the the field itself. Um, but you know, but I'm convinced uh, that that practi- practitioners can really learn from each, and I feel like that that's been a big part of my process. Um, so one reason for that reciprocal relationship is that I is that sociology is so re- reliant on visual information, and you know, observation occupies really a privileged position as a research methodology, um, and, and really so much of our training is to be critical of our own observation. Um, I, I think that's great. the thing that's great about photography in this regard is that it allows us to really step back from our own sensory input and make objects of what we're observing. Um, and then, of course, there, there are more tangible reasons um, that, that I think that there, there are good relationships between the two. I mean, on one hand, I think photography can make sociology accessible um, also challenge those presentation norms I was referring to. Um, and, and I think sociology also provides a particular kind of motivation to a medium um, that, that may otherwise uh, not have as uh, is, is strong of a sort of theoretical grounding in some cases. Um, and so my, my hope is really that we can use the two to, to produce visual arguments that kind of can kind of uh, play on the strengths of each of the disciplines. Um, 
and, and so, you know, I, I don't see the sociological imagination as taking sort of priority, um, although I do think of a social orientation um, and an interest in investigating and combining as taking uh, priority. Um, still, you know, I, I think there are a lot of ways that my practice continues to be separate, um, but, I'm, but I'm really excited about the ways that they can, they can inform each other. So in the essay you contributed to our site, the Society Pages, uh, the focus was the urban environment, in particular looking at Detroit. Um, what is it you're trying to capture or share through your projects, both your more sociologically maybe writing-oriented, but also your photographic essays? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think my overall project is is really to contribute to a body of knowledge about how urban institutions function um, and sort of what the, the causes and consequences of those processes are. Um, in, in the case of the work in this column, I'm really trying to illustrate how a, a taken-for-granted aspect of the built environment, in this case, you know, streetlights, um, and the institutions that create it um, you know, in, in this way could be uh, you know, something as, as narrow as uh, the way that the police force operates, um, something as big as uh, how capitalism influences the way that investment strategies work. Um, how that they interact with a, a variety of other processes to really produce um, meaningful consequences. And so, you know, at minimum, I hope that the text and the images can complement each other to help clarify that situation. But my, you know, my, my real hope is that um, it's not simply, uh, you know, a, a, a sort of a complementary relationship, but instead that they're both sort of equally moving uh, mm-hmm. the argument forward. And so you've had a you've had a lot of focus also on isolated buildings, both both in the photos that you contributed to the site, but I also saw that you are the author of a, a photography book on that subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so what drew you to sp- uh, specifically take photos of isolated buildings? Um, I think the isolated buildings studies project is is really my first attempt at trying to do the thing I, I, me- I mentioned before, which okay. is sort of building that hybrid visual argument. Um, I got really interested interested in those buildings because. Um, I, I think that they're they're sort of immediately recognized as unusual buildings. Uh, that on one hand they're really these urban uh, buildings that they you know they're clearly designed in many cases to ha- to be immediately adjacent to other kinds of buildings. You can get a sense of what the lot lines are, uh, you know, the way that they relate to each other, um, and. Uh, you know, when, when those neighboring buildings aren't there anymore, um, I'm really interested in sort of how that visual tension uh, emerges um, and sort of you can see the way that the form is really different from the context of the, of the building. And so the idea with the project is to be able to really build on that and present the work as a series in a way that uh, sort of encourages people um, to, to, to maybe investigate what's actually producing um, this particular uh, you know, urban uh, situation. One of the things that I found to be very striking when I was looking at the photos is how clean they are. Um, and I, I don't know if it's a result of just the, photo, the photos that you chose to take, but in looking at the building and the surrounding area, there weren't a lot of signs of use of or even really a ton of signs of decay in some of the pictures so there wasn't a lot of trash there wasn't even a ton of rubble um and i was wondering if that was common to the area in detroit that you were taking photos or if there was something about isolate these isolated buildings that were different well i i think that um 
there are a variety of reasons uh, for that. In some places, there's sort of tremendous amount of you know of trash, and of course, yeah. it's just not not um, seen in the image. Some of it has to do with the season too. So I think some of the images in the series um, on the on the website uh, were taken in winter, and you know, in, in winter, snow has a tendency to sort of uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, obliterate uh, a, a lot of the the variety of what we might see in the urban landscape. Um, but I think in other cases, uh, the the lack of litter may be a testament to um, really how uh, how um, underused many portions of the city are. Um, and so while in some cases that may be particularly around some of the stores that people are actively going out and really cleaning up um, what's going on, in other places it's it's simply that they're just uh, there isn't the sort of number of uh, people present uh, to really produce the kind of litter you might otherwise expect. Uh, that said, Detroit, you know, certainly has places that are just overwhelmingly um, uh, sort of decimated by fly dumping and, and, yeah. and so on. And so uh, that may be in part uh, a selection of okay. the images here, effect of the selection. Yeah, it ended up being very striking. It was a type of, type of image you really only see in futuristic uh, like sci-fi movies where the person wakes up and no one else is around and it's, <laughs> and it's designed to show that something happened and no one's there. Thank you. So I noticed in the news, uh, Detroit recently released a plan to emerge from bankruptcy and it seemed like the basis of the plan was just cutting a lot of things or <laughs> cutting, cutting pretty much everything. Yes. So how do you think this will impact the areas of the city that you were studying? Sure. I mean, I, I think at this part, at this point, you know, the, the plan has been released, but not yet, uh, you know, finalized and, uh, and approved. And so it's hard to tell, but it's interesting to see how that current plan um, prioritizes the way that the city is going to be spending this sort of uh, reduced amount of money or in some cases uh, increased uh, is the hope, right? Um mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's really designed to reorient the city resources to, to directly address the most commonly uh, heard concerns about life in Detroit. So these are things like problems in the built environment, poor service response times. Um, so a big part of that is about getting more police and, and, and fire officers out into the communities with better resources behind them. And so sort of as you read through the plan, time and time again, the idea is focusing on, you know, how do we improve service delivery? Um, and, uh, you know, clearly a big part of, of that is going to be how they're going to handle public safety in a broader sense. Um, as for the streetlight system itself, it's it's interesting because the the streetlight system is actually being addressed by its own program. Um, it, it should be relatively unaffected. The um, the the funds that the city will be contributing through uh, the special revenue fund um, have already been approved and protected, and the additional funds that have been or that are going to be raised to fund the the remainder of the project. Um, uh, should be a dedicated revenue stream, and so it's really it's really unclear how the new distribution of lights will actually contribute to or harm the city. Uh, but it looks like it's going to continue as planned. I mean, I think everyone's hope is that uh, this will all go off in the way that it's intended, and we'll see increased service delivery, and we'll we'll see every you know see see all of those um, positive outcomes. But the the jury is is certainly still out at this point. In your essay, you mentioned the growth of rune porn photography. Um, and I was wondering if you could explain what you meant by that. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so by, by ruin porn, um, I, I mean the production of work where the, the aesthetics of dereliction trump the representations of the social causes of the condition. Okay, so, so in other words, um, in my sense, or sort of, in other words, 
my feeling is work like this doesn't actually address the, the political and social environment. Um, instead, it sort of unquestionably shows the effects of what's happening. Um, and so after several years of really high-profile photography projects that really, I mean, basically luridly dwell on dereliction, I think we're finally reaching the point where this work is, is starting to go out of vogue, um, although uh, you know, a lot of link bait, link bait on the Internet uh, may suggest otherwise. <laughs> Yeah, and it seems like it goes along with the growth of things like uh, I don't know, urban exploration, where it's it's going into these buildings and almost being, seeing them as a site of play without thinking of the context that creates it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, for for me, I try to produce images where the primary subject isn't their, the dereliction itself. And so, you know, the emphasis is, is, is sort of expressing the social causes of that situation. And so there might be blight, in, in, you know, in the project about, you know, light in the city, but I really want to orient the viewer towards reading the built environment in a new way, not towards thinking about uh, some sort of, uh, you know, new playland, uh, you know, that it's emerged. Uh, and so, you know, for my own work, I think this is something that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm constantly uh, sort of uh, aware of, and I'm constantly sort striving to make work that really complicates the understanding of social problems rather than really uh, wallowing in it. But it's a, it's a difficult thing to do. And it's a, you know, it's a, it can be a real problem for people working in, um, in urban areas, not just uh, in the way they sort of uh, present their material, but also how it's interpreted by others. Yeah. And it seems like you have an advantage there because you're able to, you're accompanying some of your photographs with these essays that explicitly push people towards that sociological imagination. Absolutely. And there have been some times when I've been asked to do a photo essay um, that was just sort of a photo essay. And, I, you know, and I've, when, when that's happened, I've, I've declined or I've sort of said, well, OK, but I, I really want to make sure that we're able to contextualize this in some kind of way. And so at least the, the framing, uh, you know, title and introductory paragraphs are, are sort of pushing people to think a little bit about what the causes are rather than simply uh, yeah, just sort of dwelling on um, on, on uh, what's uh, immediately presented uh, in, in that regard in the image. So even even with this in mind and it shifting some of the way you take photographs, it's still hard to avoid that type of consumption. Do you, th- do you think it's because it's become such a popular way of consuming pictures of the inner city, or do you think there's something else going on? Um, I, I mean, I think I I. I... I agree that uh, it has something to do with the way that we are used to consuming images of the inner city. And, uh, you know, at this point, there's a, uh, you know, I mean, the, the fact that we have this this notion of even talking about ruin porn, right, suggests that uh, it's entered the culture in, in a way that's, uh, you know, big enough uh, that it's become categorized. Um, I think we have learned to think about uh, the city visually, um, uh, sort of as a, as an other, um, and I think photography and, and, and also traditional sociological practice uh, is, is often in the position where it continues that othering. Um, and uh, so it's, I think it's something that, you know, we need to be uh, cognizant of in, in all of the work that we do as we contribute to an understanding of what's going on in, in central city areas. Um, uh, in, in a way that, again, we're complicating those, uh, we're complicating the arguments, we're complicating understandings, rather than simply sort of offering a, a solution uh, or, or a different kind of vision. Final question. Do you have any advice that you would give to an aspiring sociologist who's looking to incorporate visual media, whether it's photography or video, um, or an aspiring photographer looking to utilize their sociological imagination? 
Sure. I mean, you know, it seems trite, but I really think that the idea of practice and all forms is, is critical for developing work. And, you know, like with any methodology, vi- visual sociological work is really an outgrowth of systematic thinking. It's an outgrowth of experience, relax- reflexivity. And so, you know, doing is really important to hone it. Um, I'd say additionally, while most of my visual sociological projects have been developed really somewhat independently of a, a, a tangible community of learners, at least. Um, I, I found that discussing the work has been really helpful. And so in some ways that, that means simply, you know, talking to other sociologists, photographers, uh, talking to journalists um, about, uh, about what's going on. But it's also meant having formal conversations at, you know, annual meetings with academic groups like the ASA, um, uh, the Association of American uh, Geographers and the International Visual Sociology Association, that in each of those places, it's it's been helpful to not only sort of present the work, but be in conversation about uh, what the work is doing um, and, and, and what it's doing in relationship to uh, other people practicing in the field. Well, David, thank you again for joining us. And also, thank you again for letting us share your photo essay on our site. Thanks so much. Really, it really is a pleasure to be here.